0: I think I heard a couple amens when I talked about kids going back to school. Uh, but it's so good to see each of you. Uh, but Preston's a little under the weather. I talked to him yesterday. He seemed to be fine. But this morning, uh, he's a little under the weather. Well, we're continuing our study in the book of Genesis. Uh, I know some of you are scared because does that mean we're going all the way through Revelation? But, you know, amen. You know, it's all the Bible. So, uh, uh, but uh, we're continuing our study in the book of Genesis. Uh, If you want to go ahead and turn in your Bibles, we'll be in Genesis chapter 9, 18 through 29. Eventually, I will get there. But what we find, what we find in the study that we have for us this morning, is the flood is over. The waters have subsided. There's dry ground. And all the people and animals of the ark are out. Now, Another thing to think of in this passage of Scripture, also, everyone who had rejected God were dead. And so, where we're at is that we're at a period of a new beginning. And in this new beginning, we find that that Noah and his family needed some reassurance. They needed to know God was for sure. And so it was then that God comes to this family and presents himself as God, presents, them, presents himself as the God of covenant, as the one who makes promises and keeps them. And so in, in that light, this morning, the title of the message is The Unchangeable God. Now, I don't know about you, but I am so glad that our God is unchangeable. Because when I think of that, when I think of that he is unchangeable, I don't know about you, but that gives me assurance. That gives me confidence. That gives me that I know where God stands. Now, you know, this time of year, here we go into another political season. You know, we got midterm elections coming. And, you know, I don't know if you're like I am. I, I don't like to listen to the ads. But I just wonder, how dumb do they think we are? That's just what I, I mean, I'm just being honest. Because, you know, some of us, we do have a memory. I know mine's fading. But we do have a memory. Two years ago, they were saying this. Last year, they were saying this. Now they're saying this. And then right before the election, they'll say something else because they've spent some money and did some poll research to find out what we want to hear so that we would vote for them. And I think to myself, how can we trust a person that just keeps changing on what they believe in and what they're going to do? But you know what? When it comes to God, He's unchangeable. You know. Maybe we don't want to admit it. But we know where God stands. He's unchangeable. And one of the things that I want you to note. Through this whole story of of the flood. And and how God had put this together. God will never be defeated by sin. God knows and does and is the remedy for sin. God will never be defeated by sin. God's post-flood period that we're in talks about his mercy and, and his heart and, and 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 shares that with man god will never be defeated by sin that's unchangeable you could just put that to the bank another thing and i know this is hard when you think think of this but god will always value life so far man has had a bad record of caring for his own people and so here we find that, that in John, uh, John Genesis chapter 9, we find where God is reestablishing the value system. Look with me. I'm going to first I'm gonna jump here. I'm in Genesis chapter 9, and I'm going to begin here in verse 1. Still hold on to verse 18. We'll get to it. Verse 1. God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. The fear and terror of you will be in every living creature on the earth, every bird of the sky, every creature that crawls on the ground, and all the fish of the sea. They are replaced under your authority. They are placed under your authority. Every creature that lives and moves will be food for you, as I gave the green food for you. As I am sorry, and, and I gave the green plants, I have given you everything. However, you must not eat meat with life blood in it. And I will require a penalty for your life blood. I will require from any animal and from any human, if someone murders a fellow human, I will require that person's life. Whoever sheds human blood by humans, his blood will be shed. For God made humans in his image. But you be fruitful and multiply, spread over the earth and multiply on it. God, once again, is showing the people of Noah's generation the value of life. What's under it, what it should be done, how it should be handled. And again, God is doing that to try to show them, again, the value of life. Another thing that we find as we get into this passage of Scripture this morning is that God will always keep His promises. He will always keep His promises. You can take it to the bank. If God promises it, it will be done. And so we find that as you continue to read in the story there in chapter 9, verse 8, it says, Then God said to Noah and his sons with him, Understand that I am establishing my covenant with you and your descendants after you. And with every living creature that is with you, birds, livestock, and all wildlife of the earth that are with you, and all the animals of the earth that came out of the ark, I establish my covenant with you that never again will every creature be wiped out by floodwaters waters. There will never again be a flood to destroy the earth. Promise. He made a promise. And he's going to keep that promise. Now, we also find, as you read on in that passage of Scripture, something I didn't put together. I didn't connect the two. But the word for rainbow. You know, and, you know, I have, I've almost had wrecks in my car when my wife goes, look, 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 look. And, you know, I'm grabbing the wheel and my heart and she said, the rainbow. But do you know that the same Hebrew word for rainbow is also the word for weapon? Now, I find that odd because basically God is saying, I'm hanging up my bow. The rainbow. I'm hanging it up. Because I want this covenant to stand. This new covenant. Now, as we begin to read in verse 18, I I want you to note something. As we have Genesis, and as Moses reveals this to us, I I just want you to understand, we've had the flood, we've had them come out of the ark we've had the animals to go off now guys this didn't just happen in a day or two okay we're going to read here in a moment where where noah planted grapes a vineyard now maybe that's miracle grow soil now but it didn't just happen overnight I'm talking there's a span of time that has taken place here. I know a lot of people said, well, there they are in the ark. Now they're out of the ark. Now they've sinned already. Well, yes. But I want you to know there's a time period here. There's there's a time lapse here. Now, I, I say that because, again, I believe that God's going to keep all of his promises, but but I want you to look with me in verse, <clears throat> excuse me, in verse 18. It says, Noah's sons, I'm in Genesis 9, verse 18. Noah's, Noah's sons who came out of the ark were Sham, Ham, and Zapheth. Ham was the father of Cana. These three were Noah's sons. From them, the whole earth was populated. Noah, as the man of the soul, became, began by planting a vineyard. He drank some of the wine, became drunk, uncovered himself inside the tent. Ham, the father of Cana, saw his father naked and told his two brothers outside. Then Shem and Japheth Japheth, took a cloak and placed it over both their shoulders, walked backwards. They covered their father's nakedness. Their face were turned away, and they did not see their father naked. When Noah awoke from his drinking and learned what his youngest son had done to him, he said, Cana is cursed. He will be the lowest of slaves to his brothers. He also said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem. Let Cana be Shem's slave. Let God extend Japheth and let Japheth dwell in the tents of Shem and let Cana be Shem's slave. Now, Noah lived 350 years after the flood, so Noah's life lasted 950 years, and then he died. Now, in that passage of Scripture, there's a lot here that I'm I'm praying that God will give me the ability to connect some dots for you today. One of the things I want you to remember is that God will always take sin seriously. God does not take seriously. Sin lightly. It's serious. Now, even in this story of the nakedness, I think it's when I get close to that, it starts feeding back, but I'll stand over here. Uh, the nakedness of Noah. You said, well, that was no big deal. Why was it even mentioned? Well, again, I think there's a lesson there. We find that Noah had, had planted his grapes the grapes and the vineyard came about, he made the wine, and again, like I said, this didn't happen overnight, it took a period of time, and then he drank the wine in his own tent, was naked, and he was laying there. Ham, his youngest son, found him. Now, as we look at this passage of scripture, here's some things to note. When Ham came in and found his father naked and drunk, First thing that Ham did was he went and told his two other brothers. Now, another thing to note is that when he saw his father, and, and I'll get into it just in, a, in just a moment, but I'm going to touch on it right here. Again, looking at the verb forms, which I am not an expert. I, I can't even get English verb forms together. But, but when you're looking at the Hebrew and looking Ham's, when he saw his father naked, it wasn't just a glance, like, oh, you know, put his hands up, like, oh, you know. But it was like he gazed, like he, he stood there and gazed upon that. That was the point of, of, in the sense, where the sin began, because then he went and made it public. And spread that. Now, some could give the argument that Ham was the youngest of the sons. And, you know, this is his way of getting back with dad. Well, that was wrong too. If that was the case. But again, here we find the beginning. Now, here's here's another thing. When you think of sin, God takes it seriously. Another thing I want you to note is that no one, no one, no one is immune from sin. So what does that mean? Everybody in this room, including me, is a sinner. No one's immune from it. If someone tells you that they're immune from sin, just go ahead and laugh in their face because they're a liar. No one is immune from sin. Even Noah, who came off the boat, wasn't immune from sin. You see, sometimes we get into that, we say, well, I have a position I was chosen by God to preach for all those years, to build the ark, to house all these people and, or my family and all these animals. And so I must be special and I can do what I want. Now, I don't think he did that. But, you know, sometimes we think, I'm immune. I go to church every Sunday. I even contribute. I'm immune. All that is false. None of us is immune from sin. Now, Adam and Eve... First creation, God created. You see, Noah is also considered as the new Adam, as the new Adam. And, and you know, Adam was a gardener and Noah was a planter, planter of the vineyard. Eve saw the serpent and Ham saw the nakedness and then told his brothers and, and went on with it. We find that the fruit with Adam and Eve was an apple and the fruit with Noah was the grapes that he made into wine. God asked who told to Adam and Eve and Ham told. There was nakedness in both. They were, one was clothed in nakedness, the other was covered in nakedness. But they both were cursed because of their sin. Now, I, I, I say all this, Noah is the second Adam. And as we think of that, even Noah was part of the corrupt seed. Noah will fail. And he will not be the, the one who will crush the serpent on the head but as, as we look at this, and, and, and as we study this, we find that, again, there's a lot of similarity between the Garden of Eden and what Noah did in the, at the vineyard. Now, the best of men are men at best. And what I mean by that, past goodness. Past goodness does not guarantee future goodness. You know, a lot of times they say, well, you know, I, I did this. I've got i I've, I've got a 1954 Standard Sunday School pen in my office. I, I I I you know I was good back in 1954, and so you're thinking, well, I was good then. I don't have to do anything. I'll be good now. The only reason I bring up the 1954 Standard Sunday School pen, we were crawling in that attic over there this week, and we found one over there uh and some other stuff that I don't want to mention but uh uh but just because we did goodness in the past does that guarantee that you're going to do goodness in the future? No. No, don't let Satan, don't let Satan think, well you did it in the past, you're automatic, you've got it made. But you know we need we need to remember that that as you know and then sometimes people say, well you know preacher, as I get older and I get mature <laughs> I don't have to worry about sin. I know all about it. Boy, that's dangerous. Do you think you got sin whipped when you get 70? If you're not careful, it'll whip you at 70, won't it? You see, we've got to be careful that we do not put these false ideas in our head. We need to see that that we need to be careful. And even we find this in this story. No. Noah, let's just say in this story, he, he had a bad day. But you know, we find in Ephesians 5.18 where it says, And don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the Spirit. Now, I know in Baptist days, some of us, some of us here have been Baptists all our life. I'm, I'm not ashamed of that. I've been a Baptist all my life. But when it comes to the subject of alcohol, Baptists have a lot of different ideas. I remember being brought up in a church where oh, alcohol was one of those taboo sins. I was told this. I I know it's true. In, in, In a church that I was in, when a man was considered to be a deacon, another deacon would go to his house and somehow, would open his refrigerator to see if there was any wine or beer in the refrigerator, and if there was, he was not a deacon. They'd go to that extent. I remember sometimes Joby and I'm not putting anybody down, uh, and maybe I shouldn't probably say it. but I remember years ago when I first came here, the citrus galo, whatever it's called now, you know, uh, they would always have a minister pray. I think they don't do that anymore because they don't like ministers to be around when they're drinking. Not that Joby's drinking, okay? (laughs) Joby's not drinking, okay? But it's interesting, those first few years that I was invited, you know, they'd be there. Not people that I've seen in the community. Immediately, that, that beer went right here. Attached to their leg. Okay, now, I say all that. Is drinking a beer a sin? Is drinking wine a sin? You know, that is something, you know, I know there are some bad, you're going to hell. That's what they tell you. You drink that beer or that what you're going to hell. But let me tell you what I believe is a sin. I think drunkenness leads to sin. Okay? Now, I think drinking alcoholic beverages is a subject in the sense that you've got to make a decision. Are you going to drink to the point that you don't know what you're doing okay that 's a problem okay then you've got to ask yourself individually between you and God you don 't have to ask me it 's between you and God in the sense, why are you drinking? You know are we drinking to fit in? Are we drinking why you know what's the purpose you know and and, and, and you know you have to make an individual decision. Years ago, I made that decision. I don't drink. That's me. Does that mean I put that against you? No. That's between you and God. Now, but I will stand with you. I will stand in the sense when I think of Ephesians chapter 5, where it says, and don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the Spirit. If we're allowing the wine or the beer or whatever it is to take control of us, then yeah, it leads us into things we don't need to be doing. Another thing many times we forget is that sin, well, we're never alone. And What I mean, we're never, we never sin alone. In the sense, isn't it amazing how sin not only affects the person who is sinning, but affects others. And a lot of times the person who's committing the sin doesn't think that. Well, I've chose to do this. You know, that's me. But they don't realize how many other people it's affecting. What if it's a husband? How does it affect the wife? How does it affect the family? How does it affect the children? You see, all of that is, is in play. Now, let's go back to Noah. Noah's sin was in private. And, and Ham's sin is a public ridicule of Noah's private sin. And as I said a moment ago, the word used for gaze here, the verb that's used here, has such force that some believe that it means a gaze with satisfaction. In other words, Ham had satisfaction that his father, quote, unquote, had messed up. Now, something else I want you to know about Ham. Ham is not a child in this passage. He's a full-grown man. He's at least 100 years old. That, that, that's pretty old. Uh, but we got Noah, who was 900, so, you know, he was a babe. Um, but here we find he disrespected his father without any desire to help him. Now, now, hold on with me. You know, we've all sometimes, someone makes a mistake, and as soon as they do it, they know they've made a mistake, and someone sees it. Instead of ridiculing them, you say, hey, man, let me, let me help you. You know, we've all made this mistake. Let me, let me help. You. you see, this is where Ham goes off here. Ham's desire was not to help his father, but to boldly announce with delight, almost gloating over the shame or on his father's shame. His intent was, was to shock or mock, I should say, his father. Now... We've all messed up. We've all have sinned. But here's another question. How we respond to sin in others reveals how we see sin. In other words, how should we respect when we see sin in others? Now, again, I'm not saying go around and I'm the sin police. And, you know, they're sinning you. They're sinning you. You know, people just love that type of people to come around. Yeah, oh, here they come. Like they don't have any problems, you know. But think with me. How do we respond to the failings of others? Do we get, oh man, they messed up. Oh. I mean, do we do that? Or does it grieve us that they messed up? Galatians 6 7 says, Don't be deceived. God is not mocked, for whatever a person sows, he will also reap. 1 Corinthians ten twelve says, So whoever thinks he stands must be careful not to fall. Just when you think, oh man, they fell, so I'm good. <laughs> be careful. Sin can come upon us at any moment. We need to be careful, and we need to also be careful when sins is revealed in other people. What we do and what we say. First Peter four eight. Jot that down. Above all, maintain constant. excuse me, constant love for one another since love covers a multitude of sins. Where would you and I be if it wasn't for the love of Christ? Our sins would be sticking out so bright that everybody could see, but the love of God has come and covered those sins. Let's not forget that. You know, sometimes we we get a little ahead of ourselves, but we, we, we should never, never forget that. We also need to see that God himself promised to take care of our sins. Now, maybe you're asking the question, Brother Frank, why does Cana, the son of Ham, get cursed and not Ham? That's a good question. Okay? I know some of you are going, I wish I had some Ham right now, but... 'm I'm, 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 I'm getting to the home stretch okay now Ham and his brothers were on the ark. What type of people were on the ark? Were there those who didn't believe in God? God would not have put them on the ark if they did not have a relationship with God okay that's one. Ham was a believer now. You say, well, he did that. Well, as a believer, hadn't we done some crazy things? Okay, well, that's one. Cana, his son, now again, he wasn't just a little chap, but from what we know in Scripture, he was not a believer. He was not a believer. And so he was rejecting God. As his chosen one. He wasn't receiving God. And so the seed of the serpent. And then he became cursed. Now some other things think of. Cana the son of Ham. The nation. The Canaanites. Okay there's the link. The Canaanites. There was a curse put on the Canaanites. And even Moses told the children of Israel. When they were coming into the promised land. Look. Don't have a thing to do with the Canaanites. They are the most moral, degenerate people living today. And Moses told them not to do anything with them. Now, here's another thing Do sins pass down from generation to generation? Been debated. In other words, if your great-great-great-great-grandfather sinned and did this, this, and this, and the other relatives did, then you're doomed. Well, but that's nice, isn't it? Look up Exodus 25. In other words, Exodus chapter 20, verse 5. Or you can just jot it down and look it up later. Exodus chapter 20, verse 5. This will not warm your cockles, okay? Do not bow and worship to them and do not serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for their father's iniquity to the third and fourth generation of these who hate me. Third and fourth generation. Uh Uh-oh. Now, what does that mean? What does all that mean? I think one of the things we need to take into consideration is personal accountability. Personal accountability. Sometimes I hear people say, Brother Frank, my grandfather, my father were alcoholics. I have no choice but to be an alcoholic. And I tell them, you do have a choice. You do have a choice. You don't just have to be an alcoholic because your other two relatives were. Now, it will be harder for them because... In a sense, that's what they have seen. That's what they grew up with. That's what they experience. So sometimes in life, Satan comes along, convinces, well, you don't have a chance, buddy. You don't have a chance. Alcohol has been in your family lineage, and and, and you don't have a chance, and you're just going to be a nothing, and you're going to be an alcoholic. Guys, I believe that is false. You do have a choice. You have a choice of accepting the cure that God has given, and that is in Jesus Christ. Now, another passage of scripture to look up sometime is Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 16. Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 16. And in that passage, it says, Fathers are not to be put to death for their children. And children are not to be put to death for their fathers. Each person will be put to death for his own sin. You see, that's more on the lines of a personal accountability. Chris, do you still have Ezekiel up there? Ezekiel 18, 20. He'll find it real quick. Probably quicker than me. There he is. See, look. He's good. Okay. Is that the beginning, Chris? Thank you. All right. Look at Exodus 20. I mean, Exodus 18, 20. The person who sins is the one who will die. A son won't suffer punishment for the father's iniquity, and a father won't suffer punishment. Punishment for the son's iniquity. The righteousness of the righteous person will be on him. And the wickedness of the wicked person will be on him. Now, again, what is that telling us? It's our responsibility. We can make a difference in our life. We are not doomed from the moment that we are consumed. Yes, we might have a family history that makes it difficult, but that doesn't mean we're doomed. We can come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and receive that and allow God to lead us in a life that we thought was impossible. In Galatians 3.13, it says, Christ redeem us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us because it is written... Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Now, you say, preacher, what does that mean? Remember when Jesus was in the garden before he was put on the cross? There was that moment when Jesus cried out, and as he cried out to his father, you know, he he, he was just feeling the burden of the sin. Now, as you read that, it talks about a drink offering or or in the sense that the 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 wordplay there is that god was pouring the curses of all mankind and as jesus consumed all of those curses how he felt separated from god you see we need to we need to to realize that all those sins Jesus died for. All of those curses Jesus died for. He made it possible that we could live. And that's what I'm, I'm trying to show us today. That God has, has given us the ability and, and to live such a life. Sometimes we might think that we don't have a choice. But God gives blessings. God works in a mighty way. You know, another figure in the Bible is a lady named Rahab. Remember her? Rahab was a Canaanite. What did I say about Canaanites? But what did Rahab do? She helped the children of Israel and realized who the true God was, and her life was changed. Guess what line Christ comes from? The line of Rehab. In other words, Christ has Canaanite blood in him. Now you said, preacher, you said they're the bad guys. I did. You see, a lot of us, we've got things in us, and some of those things in us are not good. But that doesn't have to doom us. That doesn't have to bring us to destruction. We can come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and realize that he has accepted the curse for all mankind and we can live the life that Christ has planned for us. Remember old Ham? Some of his descendants included some of Israel's most bitter enemies like Egypt and Visteria and Assyria and Babylon. But you know, God... Was working through all of this. See how serious God is when it comes to sin. God saw firsthand what sin did to mankind. God is seeing today. What is doing to us. He has a remedy. And that remedy is to get rid of all those curses. Jesus has done that. But we've got to accept him. And if we're not willing to accept him then we will be cursed for everlasting to everlasting. But if we accept him as Lord and Savior, we will live with him forever. And oh, what joy that'll bring. Our God is unchangeable. And I'm glad he is. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, I'm grateful for this day. I'm grateful, Lord, for your word. I pray, Lord, that we would see that when it comes to sin, you will never change. When it comes to your promises, we can always rely upon them. And Lord, may we see what sin will do to this world, may it will, that it, what it will do in our lives if we do not check it, if we do not ask you to come into our lives. And Lord, I pray today that we will continue to worship the unchangeable God because you will lead us home if we accept you. Lord, I ask this and thank you in your son's name. Amen.